Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! This episode is sponsored by Formatted Books. Formatted Books is a book designing company for independent authors who want to see their written work come alive. Listeners, welcome to the RV. On this episode, we are talking to Nell Derrick Debevoz. Nell is the founder and CEO of Inspiring Capital and is the author of the book, Going First, Find the Courage to Lead Purposefully and Inspire Action. So, Nell, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Lucia. It's my pleasure. I know that you have a passion for languages, and I saw that you speak a bit of Brazilian Portuguese. Como você vai? Tudo bem? Uh, tudo bem, tudo bem. Um pouco de português. I'm, I miss it. I, <laughs> I, I need a trip back. We'll do the next recording live in Rio, and I'll brush up on my language. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So, Nell, you studied psychology, education, and entrepreneurship at Harvard, Columbia, London Business School, and Cambridge University. How did you first get interested in leadership specifically? Great question. Um, you know, I think the leadership piece came more from action. Um, my studies, what, what I knew I was interested in was education and, and humans and how humans grow. I, I had this experience at a very early age of going to a fabulous, but a public, a state-run school until I was 12 in a city. Um, and so it was, you know, urban in all the best ways, very rich with culture and immigrants from different places. And we could walk to school and all of those things. But the next school that I would have gone to was, was really not a great educational place. It was really violent. And, you know, there was a big problem with drugs and violence and, and the education was not strong at all. And so my parents had the wherewithal, you know, didn't, we were very middle-class, didn't have a ton of money, but they moved us just over the town line. It just happened to be over the line dividing the next town, which had this very well-funded, well-run school that was very well-resourced. And so I saw at 12 how my classmates had to go to this other place of violence and drugs and crime and couldn't focus on their education and, and learn in the way that I knew they were able to, 
Whereas I went to this place where we had these clubs and athletics and supportive adults and didn't have to worry about being mugged after school. And so that was really this early sense of like, gosh, we need to do that better, you know, and and how do people learn and and how can we have a better system for ensuring that everyone who wants to can can become their best self. As good education is completely necessary for everyone to go ahead in in the life. And also you are the founder and CEO of Inspiring Capital. What does this company do? Mm. So we, what I have seen since now studying education and working in those kind of fields is the power of leadership, right? And, and that no matter what your title is, leadership is not about a title being CEO or a managing director or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We all have ways to lead, whether that's at our workplace or in our community or in our family. And it matters, right? Because if you, what you do influences the people around you, whether it's because you're telling them to meet a deadline because you're their boss or because you're their neighbor and you give a big wave and a smile in the morning, right? They're, they're more likely to wave and smile back. Um, and so at Inspiring Capital, what we do is help individuals, again, at all levels from students through very senior late career professionals, we help them connect to their own sense of purpose. So why are they here in the world? What impact do they want to have on themselves and the other humans around them, uh, but also on their team or their company or their community, right? Those groups that they're part of. And finally, on the world, right? The people and planet more broadly who they may or may not ever meet, um, but but really connecting to, to how they want to ripple out and affect those people. And so we run leadership development programs um, using very experiential education. So you're doing a role play or you're interacting with a colleague and then you're reflecting on that is, is the way that I've studied is the best, uh, the most effective way to, to learn and, and really change behavior. It's like learning with empathy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you say that you help people lead purposefully. What does that mean to you? So it really is this, the, the, what I just talked through is something that we call more formally the me, we, and world framework. And so after nine years of doing this work and after 20 years of studying it, um, you know, we say that, that there's a great quote by the writer Mark Twain, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter, right? Because the more time you take with something, the simpler and clearer it can become. So 20 years later, we talk about me and we and world. And what that means is that purposeful leaders think about the impact of their choices and of their behavior in those three dimensions, right? And so in the me dimension, they think about, you know, how is this new project that I'm assigning, for example, how will it affect me as a human and my well-being, my sleep, <laughs> or, you know, my intellectual curiosity or my spiritual fulfillment? And, and what about the other me's around me, right? If, if I delegate it to this project manager versus this one, or if I have them co-lead, how does that impact their work-life balance and their own career path and goals, right? So that's the, the me dimension. The we is the team, right? And so this might be 
a team, it might be the entire company, or it might be a, a community or a more informal group of people. Um, and so the same thing, how is this project going to impact our team? Is it going to make the business more money? Is it going to cost the business money short term, but open an opportunity long term, right? And, and so that's the we dimension. And finally, the world. So back to that, you know, broader, slightly more abstract people and planet, will this project put at risk some of our suppliers, right? Are we going to risk firing a supplier and, and that person losing their livelihood because we're going with a bigger corporate or will it actually help our suppliers, you know, be more um, supported and make more money and expand their businesses or, or whatever the other elements will be. Are we, are we now creating more plastic waste by, by following this project or less? Are we finding ways to reduce or reuse some of the, the plastic out there? So, so me and we and world are, the lenses that we help people really integrate into decisions, big and small, you know, you can go into a meeting and decide, okay, for this half hour, spend 90 seconds, just thinking about how, how do I want to show up in terms of the me, the we in the world. Um, and so, so that has, there's obviously a lot more depth that we do in, in hundreds of hours of training and coaching and work, but that's the really basic starting block. Oh, that's a very interesting concept. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Plenty of people talk about in that term, in those terms or not me and we and world, but I, I do, that, that's what we like about it, right? It's very universal and it's very um, approachable. So you can use it in any context with any colleagues. And I believe you talk about it in your book, Going First. Now, what is the significance of the title? Mm, yes, great question. And it's been so fun. You know, I wrote the manuscript and the outline a few years ago, and, and I've been editing it and refining it. And finally, this last winter during, you know, as we were coming through COVID and everything else that was happening last year, I said, okay, this is the time. It, it's so timely. And so worked with a publisher finally to get the project all set. And their suggestion, though, was go interview 100 purposeful CEOs or chief people officers to, to really get more quotes and input. And so I've been doing that since February, where I've done 118 now interviews of these different people. And it's been so rich. So good news, bad news. Um, it, it really refined my writing, you know, it, it refined the ideas. And, and of course the world is changing so much around us. So I say all of that background to say, we, we added two words to the title. And so now the title is going first, an invitation to find the courage to lead purposefully and inspire action. Because that's really the sense that I was getting from these people. And, and my purpose, frankly, in writing the book is to, it, it, it didn't want it to be a challenge or, you know, a threat, find the courage. You have to do this. I didn't want it to be a command. I want it to be an invitation to people because it is a little scary. It, it is something different, you know, and I think it's quite natural in us, if we're really in touch with our best and truest selves, but it's not how the world has been operating for most of our lifetime. And so I, I wanted the, those, that word of invitation was really important to me. And so the significance there is, is that is to say, look, it is a little scary. It is different. You might 
look weird or feel weird the first time you do it, the first time you start a meeting with a moment of mindfulness or the first time that you ask a colleague how it feels that they didn't make the deadline that you set for them rather than just saying, you need to make the deadline. (laughs) I I got it. (laughs) Right. And so I think by inviting people to do that, there's this exciting like potential and, you know, collective action that we can all be part of building a better world that, that the vast majority of us want to see. Most of us don't wake up wanting to be a jerk or wanting to make people miserable at work, but it's in some cases, all we know. Yes, and now, what are some tips leaders can take to more inclusive, anti-racist, and sustainable future? Um, and so the first step, it follows the framework. The first step is me. The first step is yourself and your own work, right? And and no matter where you are on that journey, because it is a lifelong journey, you know, I've never met anyone who is done <laughs> with their self-work, um, for good, for, for better or worse. Uh, and, and, you know, there certainly are people who haven't taken or made or been given the time to work on themselves in that way. You know, they've just been more traditionally in that path of success of perform and and produce. So the first step is just checking in and, and finding out where you are on that journey. Do you have any kind of mindfulness practice, whether that's cooking or reading or playing with your dog or meditating is obviously a, a powerful one from a neurological point of view. It's not just that it's kind of in vogue right now. It's that brain science tells us that we perform better and can be more empathetic and more creative when, when we have meditated and, and calmed our brains. So the first step is really figuring that out because the world is so chaotic and we are getting so much noise and so much information from our teams, from the news, from our neighbors, from our friends, from the media. Um, And so any purposeful leader has to create some distance and, and space, you know, from that. And again, whether you've been meditating for 20 years or you've never tried it, it's, it's still uh, an ongoing practice that requires effort and attention. So that's the first step. And the second really important thing is to talk about it, right? To be open and to share that. And again, it might feel embarrassing or like an overshare or like, I don't, I'm not perfect at it yet. So I won't say anything. We, we need to get over that and just be open because by your own talk about whatever you're doing and the fact that you might not be okay, that you might be feeling really stressed or anxious these days or sad, or that you're feeling happy and you're feeling guilty about feeling happy because things are so hard, right? Like all the feels are possible and they're all okay. And by sharing them, by going first and sharing them as a leader, you open the door for other people. So that's number two. And number three is to ask other people, right? Hey, how are you doing? Are you happy but feeling guilty about it? Are you sad? How is your mindfulness practice going? Have you ever tried meditating? What do you do to get calm? So anyhow, there's, there's, again, there's a deep, long journey and lots of technical elements, but I think just by checking in with yourself, talking about that practice and that check-in and then asking others, you're off to a really good start. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Nell, thank you so much for these precious tips. And making small talk in the workplace with co-workers is important. Say hello. How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah. Totally. It's just not where we're, you know, I think we've lived in this kind of industrial age of thinking that workers are cogs in a machine, you know, and, and when we were all in the office together, it was impossible not to share a cookie or giggle about something or, you know, ask about someone's dress or, you know, whatever it might be, those things happen. But now that we're not together, it's not as natural. And so you have to make those efforts because, you know, people say like, keep your personal feelings out of the workplace that's a myth that is impossible. Like there, there is no part of me or my brain that I can leave on my dresser at home, (laughs) especially now that work is at home. And so asking how people are just sort of is the space for that, right? That if, if you ask me at the beginning of our meeting, how am I doing? That sort of is the shelf where I can say, I'm bad. I had a really stressful morning with my stupid puppy who was barking all night and I'm not well rested and I'm feeling cranky. And then we can get onto business because I've put that here. But if you don't ask, and I just have this cranky voice that I'm not well rested, then it it colors our interaction, right? So I think ironically, by bringing it into the conversation, we can actually separate it from the work more effectively. Absolutely. And my dear Nell, I have a quote for you from JFK. He says, leadership and learning are indispensable to one another. Do you agree with it? Amen. Such a yes. <laughs> Good on you for finding it. It's it's perfectly aligned with with what uh, with what we do and what I believe, um, and and what I'm hearing from these 118 brilliant folks I've interviewed. Right, like they're all very clear that number one, they don't have all the answers. Again, especially now, like if ever someone could feel like they had a playbook and they knew how to run, it's, it's gone. That era is over because of COVID, right? Literally everything about work has changed. And so whether it's, you know, the head of Accenture's global talent practice, I mean, if anyone is expert at talent, it's her. And she's like, I don't know, everything has changed. Right. And so leaders are there to learn from their employees, right? From the people who know what customers are saying or who know how the marketing is is resonating or not. Um, To learn outside, right? Leaders need to be nerdy. We need to be reading and learning from as broad an array of sources as possible. Um, And and again, learning about ourselves, you know, because we are changing and, and we're deep, we're complicated human beings we all are a little bit crazy or even a lot crazy (laughs) which is 
which is great. That's the beauty of it, right? Your crazy is different from my crazy. And so we can be crazily brilliant, you know, in a complimentary way. But if you don't keep learning about your crazy and how your crazy interacts with different situations or different responsibilities or different humans, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself, but also to the team around you. So yes, a, a thousand percent leaders must be lifelong learners. When you said we are all crazy, coming from a psychologist, I feel <laughs> so relieved. <laughs> Totally. And it's, it's not, of course, you know, to make light of, of clinical mental illness. And, and obviously it's such a gift that, that mental health is becoming so much more um, out there, but I just think it's, you know, they are all spectrum, you know, and, and so I just, I think it's so important to recognize that whether you have a diagnosis or, you know, require pharmaceuticals or therapy or whatever, we all have, we all have our versions of, of issues. Yes, and you also talk about making work healthier. What are some red flags of an unhealthy work environment? One of the first and, and maybe easiest places to start is, is that if you're seeing actual burnout, that's really a problem. Hopefully you have enough, you know, self-awareness and, and, you know, culture of recognizing good practices and good health to, to stop before burnout. I was just with a friend this weekend who was saying that her company uh, last summer was offering reduced pay leave for people, you know, and, and especially recognizing that parents four months into the quarantine of homeschooling and all the rest were, were on the verge of burnout, if, if not already there. Um, and so I think having a culture of talking about burnout and having a plan to avoid it or, you know, goodness forbid, deal with it once it happens, it's some, probably somewhat inevitable. Um, so I think that's a, a really big sign. Um, And look, you know, this is not a clinical psychology diagnosis, but I think it's something you sort of can just see in people's eyes. You know, when I got back to New York City after living for 10 years abroad, part of the reason for starting my company was that on the subway or on the street or in restaurants, in bars, I looked around and people's eyes were sort of dead. They just, they couldn't take on anymore. And here we were living in beautiful New York City where the people are fascinating and the buildings are beautiful and the smells are strong and dirty. And, and you know, there's so much to be fascinated by. And so I was like, wow, if people aren't able to enjoy any of that anymore or, or just observe or engage with any of that, that's not good. You know, it was, it was this kind of zombie-ness that I was that worried me. So I think that's one thing, you know, just even if it has to be on zoom, you know, look into people's eyes a little bit and, and kind of get that sense. I think another red flag is, is silence in terms of, you know, if you have that initial, how are you check in and everyone's like, you know, fine, fine. Yep. Good. Okay. So on to business, right. I think that's a, a form of silence that is really problematic. Um, not to say that every meeting needs to start with a big powwow or, or debrief, but I do think that that kind of shortness is a problem. And then look, certainly now I think we can say resignations, right? People are out, people are voting with their feet and they're like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so again, unfortunately, like burnout, that's a little too late. You need to be looking for the leading indicators that come first, but, but those are some things that we can all agree are, are indicators of an unhealthy workplace. 
And in your opinion, what are some qualities that make a good leader? Well, I mean, you certainly brought up empathy, which is huge, right? I mean, that's just an, the table stakes. It, it's an absolute must. Um, curiosity is the other really interesting one. Um, I think it, it touches on the learning piece, right? But I think if you're not curious, things don't go well pretty quickly, right? Because we all have views on the world. And if we're leaders, they're probably strong views, you know? Um, and so, which, which is okay and, and good and can be an asset. But if you're not also curious about something, then you can just really become a bulldozer, right? And, and you, your strong views kind of take over, which is dangerous for the business in a time of so much change right now. You, you need to be a little more open and flexible. And the third one that you know I think is always important to talk about is that sense of courage, which I think actually comes most from a willingness to fail, honestly, you know, and, and a humility to because courage means doing things even though you're scared and, and probably that leads to getting things wrong sometimes. Um, and so if you have that humility and, and that willingness to be wrong, you can be more courageous in your role. So those are some of the traits being purpose-driven, of course, to me is, is, is not a trait. It's just a must, but, but that also is important to say. Thank you, Nell. And your work can really make a positive impact to others. How can we find you and your book? Yay, thank you. Um, so LinkedIn is probably the easiest place. My name is, is quite unique, so not hard to search me there. Uh, we are relaunching our Inspiring Capital website shortly, which will be a great up-to-date place to find out how to engage if you, you want to offer your team some of these resources and tools. Um, and that's inspiringcapital.ly. Uh, and then my own site, nellderekdebevoise.com, also has information more about me as a speaker and a page for the book and, and a contact form. So if folks are interested in um, speaking events or connecting personally or whatever else it might be, um, that's the best place for that. Wonderful. And is your book on Amazon? It is on Amazon. Yes, it's on Amazon currently for pre-sale. Um, because of these 118 interviews, we actually delayed publication to February because we're so keen. I, I was like, you can't put this out without all these great ideas. And so um, we'll be releasing an excerpt next month with the core content that people can get for free. I just want the ideas out there. Um, but yes, it is available for pre-sale on Amazon. And then the copies will be ready in February. So come back in February. I'll be very happy to talk to you again. Same. And I didn't even ask you, how, how do you say your name? Is Lucia correct? Or do you have a different? Lucia in Italian. Okay, good. Lucia in Portuguese. Lucia in Portuguese. In so yeah. both ways are fine. Okay. See there, you see my, you caught my Italian accent right at the start. <laughs> Muito obrigada. Você também. Obrigada, obrigada. Thank you so much, Lucia. Have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Love. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.